Welcome to episode 71 of the Frio Big Footy Podcast. This week, we'll go back and have a look at the Peel versus Port game from last week, where Peel ran out comfortable winners 18 goals, 14-122 to 8-5-53, after Frio showed a little bit in the first quarter. And we'll have a quick look at the uh, Peel game from last week, where they sort of send in even a weaker side than, uh, you know, than Frio's side in the Waffle Finals. And then we'll have a look at the big upcoming clash now that finals are around and the home and away season is finally over. Joining us is our usual resident Victorian expert, Seppo. How are you, mate? Uh, good evening, Centurions, and uh, good evening, Listers. And finals are here, and I'm excited. Yeah, last week, Seppo, we saw Fremantle come out of the guns pretty early and really missed a couple of sitters as well, with Tabs missing one in the goal square and Ibo missing one from not much further out, showing he's probably more of a defender than a forward. But I did show a bit of signs in the first quarter, but gradually over the period of time scoreless in the second quarter and then gradually Port got on top and they ended up being comfortable winners. But uh, anyone uh, really stand out for you in the game watching? Uh, I was quite shocked with that start and how well we did. And obviously with um, Tabin and missing those couple, we could have been even uh, further in front and probably been a, a not much of a different outcome, but just really exciting to see the young guys go so well and obviously tail off. But Ross was quite happy with the first and third quarters. Um, I think... Uh, Early on, um, quite pleased with how Tavern played, but as the game went on and just knowing how he went against his opponent, I thought Brady Gray was probably one of the highlights out of the young kids. And the other thing I was quite surprised was how well actually uh, Ethan Hughes actually played. I, I did had to uh, do a double take when I saw uh, number 42 on the back of a, a player that was sort of getting a bit, a couple of touches and didn't look overawed by the occasion. And um, for how recently he sort of come into footy and had not much time on the waffle. Um, he's actually played pretty well for his uh, first game out there and something to work with. But I think Brady Gray just showed, you know, we've been talking about it all year, about another option as a small defender to, to take on the guys that always seem to tear us apart. He, he showed he is capable of that, went in hard. I think his decision-making and probably positioning needs a bit of help, but it's always going to be like that when you don't have the uh, leadership out there. And I think the commentators have made a point of it when he let... I think Robbie Gray get right out the back or um, there's probably a couple of cases where, you know, if, if Brady Gray was playing around, you know, McFarlane and Johnson or Dawson, that he would have just slotted straight back into that back six quite well as a small defender. So I think that was probably one of the bigger wins out of the day. Yeah, he, um, as you said, Hughes, you can see uh, at times where the Ibbotson comparison comes from. So he just did look quite comfortable and took a couple of decent marks across half back and Probably looked a bit smoother in the number 42 than the old Robbie Hadrill, who was probably I think, <laughs> the last player we had who uh, won there, although he uh, always did try and punch above his weight. Uh, it was good to see uh, Mark, Nicky Barlow playing a pretty good, strong game as a captain. And, you know, I think, you know, although we've persevered with him at half forward all year, I still think he looks better in the midfield, Seppo. And uh, came forward with 35 touches. And, uh, yeah, the, I suppose the, probably the more out of the biggest thing... I do agree with you about Robbie, um, Brady Gray as well. I thought he did a terrific job on Wingard. His disposal did let him down a little bit at times. So, and you do see that in the waffle. And if he can just work on that in the off-season, I think he has got the ability to maybe push into that 22 next year. Mm. Um, probably, the, I suppose, the bigger talking point out of it, Seppo, was probably not the performance of some of the guys who came in, but probably some of the more seasoned players or guys who had a chance this year and just didn't really fire. And um, Zach Clark didn't show a lot for uh, 16 hitouts with only four possessions on the ground. And Crozier, who I thought might look a little bit better being up the ground, unfortunately only had five kicks for the day as well and just isn't impacting on the ground when 
he's not got the ball in his hand, which is disappointing. Yeah, I suppose with guys like Crozier and I suppose when you've got like Duffy Duffy out there as well. I know Duffy got on, on the end of a goal, but I suppose those guys rely on a lot of the midfield supplier. And I suppose we did win the, um, I think it was either the centre clearances. I'm not sure of the overall clearances number, but um, obviously Neil and Barlow did a good job of actually getting it out and beating Port without our usual dominance of Sandy and you know, Mundy and Fife in there. But I suppose on Crozier can't be in a position to get involved if he's forced to stay up the ground. And, you know, one of the other bits now, just thinking about it, is how good Blakely looked in the centre. And I think everyone's been talking, and I haven't watched too many Waffle games about his lightning quick hands, but I got to see it on the TV. And I think if he's got some other guys around him, like I was saying about, you know, Brady Gray, that Connor Blakely's just got a brilliant set of hands. So, you know, we thought the Michael Barlow's um, quick handballs, the way he can get a handball out was good. I think... Blakely does it better, um, <laughs> and he's got a great set of skills in there. So he'll be a nice addition to add to the midfield in time and get some bigger bodies around him, even get some bigger size on him himself. So it's good to see that he looks ready to go and has you know, got a great set of hands on him, nine handballs. Yeah, we'll definitely good. need to have it too because there was times there where, he, you know, just the pace of the game, looked, he looked a little, uh, not slow, Seppo, but probably just doesn't have that. And I mean, and that's probably a reason why he fell to the second round. Uh, but... As you said, his uh, hands in close and working in, uh, inside is certainly, a, you know, something to look forward to. And you'd have to think over time, whether it be next season or whatnot, that he would be the sort of replacement for the likes of DeBoer, who works hard but doesn't, you know, doesn't probably have quite the skill set that Blakely does. Mm. The other interesting one you talked about was uh, Tabernar. I thought, and it's been interesting if you watch all these games, probably even over his career, Seppo, he just seems to be such a good starter of the, in the first quarter. And whether I don't know if it's a endurance thing or whether the ball drives up the way they use it but he sort of tends to fall away as the game drops goes on a bit but he always in that first quarter always seems quite strong and it's the, I don't know whether he uh, weighs a gasket at quarter time and it's his fitness level or um, you said the way our ball movement drives up a bit as as sort of teams drop further back but he always starts off really well and then just seems to fade a little bit so hopefully he'll um, you know give a little bit more and I'll, we'll talk about it no doubt in the game against Sydney, but it's, I think it's good that he's kept his place, and I think we do look better with him in the side, playing up forward. I, I think his fitness is probably not the issue. It might even be between the years or obviously just a, a bit of a mental fatigue as the, as the game goes on, but certainly I know Port's defenders probably aren't the quickest out there and probably didn't have the best guys out, out on the ground for them because I think Port have been decimated a bit over the years, but he certainly showed that, you know, that Nick Rewalt type that we keep on comparing him to, he can run all day and, and even just break away. And I think he was probably unlucky with the bounce of the ball a bit and even just trying to pick it up and soccer it forward. Gets a you know bit used to that and um, keeps up that effort because certainly can see they can do it all day and they keep on feeding it to him. He's um, He was sort of playing even a lone hand with no pav or a really decent chop out with Clark and Hannah rotating up there. It was, um, yeah, it's a, <laughs> it was a big task, but I think he did quite well and, Obviously, could have had a couple more goals on the scoreboard, but you can see what he does for us structure-wise, and probably adds a bit of that that pressuring game. Even though he doesn't look like a big tackler, he's um he certainly moves up and down the ground well. That helps us, you know, without the ball as well. Yeah, and you could see even last week, uh, Seppo, that uh, what's his name, uh, Ibo Ibo was really like looked like he he might as well have been in Perth. He didn't really put in a lot of didn't do any sort of did what he absolutely had to, but. Uh, Certainly wasn't going to give himself any chance of getting a risk with the finals coming up. And uh, 
Mm. And you can't blame him, particularly after the wretched run he's had the last couple of years with that. So um, there's certainly no reason why you want to uh, risk anything at this point in time. Speaking of risk, it was great to see that they pulled off Lockie Neal at a certain point of time. And I think he obviously uh, copped a bit of a knock. I think Schultz probably got fined for that little knock he gave into a... Neil and and they obviously pulled him off and said, "All right, you're gutting cotton wool." And I think even Freo Twitter put out something of a, a funny image of you know some young kid wrapped in bubble wrap and said, "This is uh, Lockie Neil on the bench." So <laughs> yeah. another uh, man management move after taking Pav off the week before and Neil out of that game, so really stripped out our midfield. And Neil still got a lot of the ball up until that point, and he got subbed out. But great to see they are uh, taking the play first approach, and not worried about the result. Yeah, the Port was certainly giving it to him and uh, in there and making him sort of uh, earn every possession. So I think it was a smart move by the club and then uh, taking him off. But you probably would have liked to see. I mean, they certainly did fly, fly the flag at times. And strange thing as well, Seb, I didn't. I mean, I must. I might have missed it, but there didn't seem to be too many fines through the week after that scuffle either. But uh, mm. well, I know there was one where Subin probably ran about fifty metres to uh, get involved with a bit of a, a punch on, and it's amazing what effort he puts in when. <laughs> there's a ball there to be won or there's a fight on. He seems to move that quick and I just made mention he could probably win the grand final sprint if you told him there's a uh, punch on at the end of the finish line. That's Subin moves that quickly. He, he's certainly one of the first there to fly the flag when the guys go in and he, he loves a bit of a biff. But I thought as a general game sense, he actually had a very good game and, and helped push that ball forward and even just get the ball out of the, um, the midfield. And you can see when they um, take it out of a... Uh, a stoppage and choose one of the lanes, you know, the left or right-hand side of the ground, and Subin gets onto the uh, the right side of it. Well, he's left-hand side. Um, he's a fantastic uh, kick of the ball and, and really just got the ball moving forward, which is uh, great to see because I think he's probably one that's probably had it almost career-best form this year or showed it in patches, and well, I think he deserves to keep his spot and have a good crack in the final series. Yeah, the other interesting point probably from the weekend, Seppo, was if you looked at the time on ground in the percentages that all the the four players that you knew were going to be locked for Fremantle this um, in this final series with probably Barlow, Sheridan, Ibbotson in particular, those um, guys probably had the lowest on-ground percentage time out of all the players that we had out there. So it was interesting, I think, um, and obviously Lockie Neal with being the sub, but all those guys tended to be rested. Nick Subin was only 67, Barlow 72. Um, you know, so... It was, Ibbotson was 73, so they obviously looked after those guys and ran most of the other guys as much as they possibly could. So they certainly gave them a pretty... Even last week, even though they played, they certainly just about all had a quarter off when you're looking at the game time for each of them. Mm. What do you think of uh, Tanner Smith's game? There's been a bit of talk, obviously. He was on our list, got dropped back to the rookie list. There were some times last week where he showed a bit, and then there was other times where he sort of looked a bit out of sorts. But, I mean, Schultz was a pretty good player in the, with the ball entry coming in with the sort of pressure at times. I thought he battled pretty hard. Yeah, I suppose he had to battle pretty hard because the ball was coming in quite a bit. Well, I think it was um, a couple of passages of play where I sort of questioned his uh, decision-making and his um, kicking skills, but generally as a defender, I think he did okay and didn't drop his head down too much and just kept on going. I think Alex Pierce looked probably a bit more lost um, than what Tanner Smith did. And even though Alex Pierce has shown for the full year that he's probably had the better run, but I think he was... Um, Pierce was probably carrying a bit of an injury. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, Tanner Smith showed, you know, he's he's okay and he's not the um, the worst out there. So he's got some sort of sets of skills to work with and, and done okay, matched up to the, the bigger bodies of Port's forwards. Yeah, 
Pierce, it was interesting that Pierce and Smith were the only two guys that actually played 100% game time as well. So, um, but, you know, I sort of put it out on Twitter this week, Seppo, I think maybe on the forums as well. But uh, he said, probably with the exception of Tabs, no one else really stood up and said, like, was screaming out, pick me out of the guys who were sort of on the fringe um, from those guys. And, uh, and I think that's been reflected a bit probably in the um, game changes this week. And, you know, I think Tabs was the one who did stand up and, you know, the reality is that if Griffin, I think, was didn't have his hamstring injury, he probably would have come in as well because Clark sort of, and I've been, you know, as you know, Seppo, quite a strong defender of him, but he certainly didn't do himself probably any favours last week with the performance he put on. It was disappointing to say the least. And he's come off that concussion or big knock on the waffle a couple of weeks ago as well, so he hasn't been stringing some fantastic games together, but we know he's got history at the start of the year and, and had patches where he played really well. So let's just hope he um, gets back to his best. Yeah, and as yeah, you said, you never know what concussion will do with those type of things. But probably enough on that game, Seppo, and probably even less on the uh, in Peel with their first final <laughs> this week and with uh, all the number of players coming up. And I think there was seven or eight debutants for Peel who ended up being flog comprehensively 22 goals, 13, 145 to 5, 6, 36. And probably in a strange irony, Seppo, that Peel ended up being very similar to Fremantle in the fact that they started off the first quarter very well and led by two quarter, two goals at quarter time, but then the wheels fell off after that, and in the end, West Perth ran out very comfortable winners, but uh, Peel, I'm sure, will be happy to get a lot of those players from Port back this week and be a little bit more competitive against West Perth. Yeah, I think it's um, it's shocking to rip that many players away, and I think I had to scan through the list and probably find about three or four Freo-listed players, and... I suppose the um the expectations are high now for guys like Sean Hurley. When you see him get you know a couple of touches and a goal, you think he's um doing pretty well now. So you expect him to lift it a bit more and get it right up there. Yeah, one other pleasing point is uh, Seppo, For those who are a bit of the waffle watchers, I don't think Chris Coonan from West Perth is exactly the toughest ruckman going around, but he has got a tall player and he's got a reasonable leap. And it was good to see uh, Craig Moller beat him comprehensively in the hitouts, forty-five to twenty in the hit-outs. So um, Moller, once again, showing a little bit more development, taking a few marks around the ground. Didn't kick any goals, but playing in the ruck most of the day um, showed that um, he can play that first ruck if needed. Mm. It's going to be good in the future and hopefully uh, makes a spot because there's going to be a call on the uh, rookie list for him, being on there a couple of years and time to make a move. Yeah. All right, Seppo. Now on to the most more important issues. And this week, Fremantle, uh, after requesting the Saturday game, Got the Saturday afternoon game at one twenty, and the uh, conditions could be a little. It was a bit rainy here today, and all accounts, it could be raining during the game on the weekend as well. Even uh, possible hail. Hail, I've read that some could come down pretty hard in the yeah, afternoon. Be interesting to see how it all ends up, and I'll be out in the outer there, so no doubt needing the wet weather gear. But uh, we'll just sit back for a little bit, Seppo, and let you uh, do the ins and outs for us this week. Yes, we've got uh, coming out of the side first, just. Uh, couple of missions. There's not too many injuries out of the whole bunch, but I suppose the two injuries first was Crozier and Hughes out with a calf each. But then you've got Alex Pierce, Tanner Smith, Tendai Mazungu, Clancy Pierce, Connor Blakely, Max Duffy, Paul Duffield, Brady Gray, Ed Langdon, Jacob Ballard, Jack Hannath and Lockie Weller all being omitted. Um, obviously, a couple couple of the other guys kept their spot on the side and we, we made 14 other changes, bringing in the talents of Lee Spur, McFarlane, Dawson, Hill, Johnson, Suckwith, Fife, Pavlich, Daniel Pierce, Maine, 
Walters, Sandlands, Mundy and Ballantyne, with the emergencies being Alex Pierce for a obviously a tall option, Clancy Pierce for some grunt and Muzungu for some run. So uh, going over to Sydney, obviously Franklin's out with the mental illness and obviously the seizure episodes he had the other day. Kieran Jack's out, unfortunately, with the uh, knee injury copped up in the previous game, and they bring back in Jared McVeigh and Ben McGlynn, who's a type that always seems to uh, cause havoc against us. So it's um, yeah, it's interesting for them, and, and their emergencies are Xavier Richards, James Rose, and Jacks his Cox. <laughs> and I bet you, Seppo, that if you asked any, probably 90 percent of any uh, AFL supporters to sort of match the names to the face, that majority of them wouldn't have a clue who any of those three are, probably yeah. myself included. So, uh, but just on a serious note, Seppo, uh, let's hope that, I mean, you never want to see anyone out um, with any type of injury or even uh, mental illness. So, you know, hopefully Buddy does sort of uh, get back to his best and uh, you never just want to see anyone like that. And knowing a few people in my time who've gone through it, it's never a nice thing regardless of what it is. And uh, let's hope that uh, he does manage to get back to his best sooner rather than later. Yeah, certainly. Uh, also, a couple of milestones this week, Seppo. A bit of a change that we're having the milestone game as opposed to having it against us. Yeah, it's it's always the uh, the wrath of the milestones or retirements against us, but this time hopefully we uh, deal out the pain with both Stephen Hill and Garrick Ibbotson both bringing up their 150th game, which is uh, fantastic for those two. And I think we've got even someone else potentially playing I don't know if they've been selected, but potentially next week or the week after some milestones as well. So fantastic for those two. I think come out of the same draft or a year apart, Hill and Ibbotson, but bringing up 150 games is a pretty big milestone because you're, you're well into your career and you're playing your peak footy around that, that, that age. So great to see that both Hill and Ibbotson are playing their 150th this weekend. And uh, one thing we haven't covered is um, something we were just discussing before the podcast, but our umpires are uh, looking quite favourable with our home ground advantage as well. We've got DeMar Getz, Razor Ray Chamberlain and Robert Finlay out there with um, Jordan Bannister as the emergency umpire. So no problems with them. And, and thank God we don't have the umpires that are out on Friday night for the Eagles-Hawks game with Daglish, Stevic, Meredith and uh, Luke Farmer as their emergency. So I think we've got the uh, good deal with the umpires here. Yeah, well, and hopefully they don't have any impact in the game one way or the other. I mean, that's all you're really asking for. A couple of other little things through the week, Seppo, which um, probably we'll just touch on briefly before going into maybe the match-ups, was uh, Fife got picked in the uh, Coaches Award after missing four or five games, as, as he did last year, and uh, he's uh, the overall winner playing in this game with Dan Hanabry getting over in the very NBO one vote. And uh, once again, uh, Seppo... Uh, we did talk a little bit last week about potential All-Australians and uh, I think we just about picked all of them. But uh, as we talked last week, uh, the selectors seem to have a bit of a love fest, with, uh, particularly with Nick Nat and the uh, Ruck. And I was staggered to say that the least to see that Sandy didn't at least make the 40. I really did think that Sandy would make the squad of 40 or even if they were going to pick a squad, pick three Ruckmen to you know drop out down to one or two on the day. But the fact that Nat knew he got picked ahead of Sandlands. I'm still scratching my head now. I think I got over it, you know, maybe two days after they announced it. But still to this day, I've gone back and looked over a couple of stats and I don't know if they're picking Goldstein as the lone ruckman to say that he was better than Sandy and they're throwing Nat Nui in there for something different. But um, (laughs) 
clearly when you look at Sandland's stats and, and even just head-to-head against those other two during the year, um, you have to have your sort of head screwed off to not realise that he is a very dominant ruckman. But obviously they can choose the All-Australian for however they like and, and they'll have their reasons. But we all know what Sandland's capable of and let's just hope he has a, a cracker of a final series because to uh, just to prove those guys wrong that like to think they know how to call a good side. I think he'll probably end up, to be honest, particularly because some of the guys on there like Healy and those sort of guys absolutely love him. So as long as he plays 20 games a year, he'll get picked every single year mm. in the squad. He's just got, um, you know, he's probably a little bit like that Chris Judd like at the time. And not saying that Judd didn't deserve it all those times he got called up, but he, just some players have automatic and probably Fife will be in that category as well. Like probably a bit like Gary Ablett to a degree as well. They'll, um, provided they play enough games every year, they'll just about be an automatic selection. Mm. So going on to the uh, matchups this week, Seppo, uh, obviously there's going to be a number of key crucial matchups in this game. Uh, with Buddy Franklin out, Sam Reed, who sort of showed a little bit last in that first game, Fremantle obviously getting out to a very good first half before Sydney clawed it back to, I think, within three points before Fremantle kicked away. But Sam Reed was sort of showing quite a bit up around the ground, but he'll be playing a lot closer to goal, you'd think, with the likes of Tippett. And uh, Sam Reid playing there. So, I mean, they've still got two reasonably good key forwards. And McFarlane used to always get the job on Buddy. So, it'll be interesting to see which way they line up down and back with... You have to think maybe Dawson will take Tippett to start with. And then they'll leave McFarlane on Sam Reid, which allows Johnson to play that loose man as much as possible, which is what Ross Lyon and Freeman will love to see. Mm. Well, I think the interesting thing is... When you look at the matchups, I think we can cover them for height with who we've got out there. It's it's their smalls that worry me. When you've got guys like Gary Rowan, Isaac Heaney, and probably Ben McGlynn, <laughs> they're three names that probably when we look at guys like Sutcliffe and Spur, it'd be nice to have Brady Gray out there as well. But unfortunately, you can't just drop them in on it. But there's, um, there's probably more scoring power, I feel, in the Swans smalls with Buddy not out there than what they do. And they're obviously massive out with... Um, Parker not being out there because he's oh, right, he's probably one of Swan's best players um, overall and obviously Jack out as well is a um, a massive loss for them in their midfield but um, yeah, they've still got a, a forward scoring power that's capable of you know kicking a couple and not, even though that Johnson and McFarlane and Dawson and Ibbotson floating in at their best could probably count for the, the talls um, it's their uh, smalls that always seems to worry me every single week, no matter who we're playing. Yeah, I think it's. I think the probably this sort of game, Seppo in particular. If you look at the midfield, if you think if Fremantle get enough of the ball, the the Swans back six are the ones that probably look a little bit weakened. They've got Nick Smith out, who I really rate as a really top player, as you know, an All Australian. But they're just like Richards is getting on. Grundy struggled a little bit. Laidler, you know, has his moments, but he's sort of you know. Not a plotter at best, but, you know, he's got limitations. Zach Jones is reasonably new. Reece Shaw, you know, you know, him and Valentine will be sort of uh, going head-to-head and there's no doubt that Reece Shaw will get... Uh, or was it Heath Shaw that used to always sort of uh, get in each other's sort of grill? But, uh, and Rampy will probably have the job on one of them or either probably Walters, but I think it's how well the, the Sydney defence holds up against if Fremantle will get enough of that ball inside 50 as opposed to the other way. I think, as you said, there will be, particularly if it is wet, I think those colder, um, those small players could come into effect. I think Spur will definitely be able to take con- control of one of them. Um, Seppo, whether 
I think you'll probably find Heaney will probably play on Sutcliffe. And then um, I reckon they'll probably put Spur, depending on which way they want to go, whether I think if McGlynn plays on him, he's got that body strength to play on him. Uh, but it'll be, you know, if he doesn't, I don't think uh, Spur will probably have the leg speed to go on Ryan. So it'd be interesting to see which way they do play them, whether probably uh, Spur might be a matchup for McVeigh, although McVeigh does play a fair bit off halfback as well. Mm. What do you think of the, uh, obviously in the ruck contest, we've got Clark and Sandlands versus Pike and Dean Towers. Oh, it's um, interesting when you uh, go back to the um, side we faced, Swans at home back in round four. You look across, and we probably were playing our best footy back then. There's only a couple of differences to our side, and we were operating with Sandalone's Clark combo then. They think they had Pike and uh, potentially one other. I think can't remember if they went with Tippett um, or someone else's their their second option of uh, a Ruckman or, or Reed in there. So. They're they're going with something different, and I think if it's wet, you'd still think we're going to go in with both Sandlands and Clark. And obviously, we were discussing before on Clark's form last week that you just wonder with the the weather if there's any doubt that Taberna unfortunately might be the one to make sway for extra run. And I know Ross has talked about it in the past in press conferences, making the call at the last minute, but um, you, you never know that uh, we, we still need two ruckmen. Obviously, with Sandlands having can't do it all on his own, so um, it, it will be a great matchup to see Sandlands and Clark combine again. Because certainly on in the year they were they were very good at winning the hitouts. And last time we played, we actually won the hitouts forty four to twenty six. So hopefully the uh, wet weather doesn't affect too much, and we can um, use those two guys to ensure our midfield with you know Fife and Mundy and Hill and Barlow at the drop of the ball just dominate. Yeah, I mean if you. It was only probably, what, five or six weeks ago that Sydney did come over and play at the main stadium and West Coast took care of them pretty comfortably by eight or nine goals. And even on that day, Seppo, I think Parker was probably one of their best with 27 touches and that sort of thing. So it is going to be definitely a tough ask for them this week. And if we go through the uh, last one, Seppo, that we had in terms of, uh, for us, in from that round four game, the ins for us were Dawson, Valentine and Sheridan. And the outs from that game... Duffield, Mazungu, and Clancy. So you'd have to think that probably on paper we look a little bit stronger with those three coming in than the three going out. And yet for Sydney, the ins are Goods, Zach Jones, Dean Towers, Tommy Mitchell, and Brandon Jack. And the outs are Nick Smith, Kieran Jack, Luke Parker, Craig Bird, and Buddy. So there's a pretty, uh, you know, that's a pretty sort of big gap of talent that's coming in and out for that Sydney side, even compared to the one that we played in round four. Mm. And the likes of even, as you talked about, Parker, but even the fact that Craig Bird and those sort of guys who have been, you know, not underrated players, but certainly uh, very good players for them uh, this year, and he's certainly going to be missed as well. But they're certainly going to need the likes of Hannabury and Kennedy and Tommy Mitchell to have massive games if they're going to be any chance to match up with Freo. And I think they're three starting midfield, or midfielders that we just talked about there. Seppo will probably be able to match it maybe with the likes of our midfield, but I think when that second string goes in there or when they rotate in and out, I think it's going to be a lot. They're going to have to really step up to uh, maintain it with Fremantle, particularly if they use the likes of Barlow and that in there a little bit more as well. Mm. Do, you, do you reckon that if you're talking about pressure and depth and everyone that we're going to be playing through there, I know it's going to be wet and it's going to be a pressure game, no doubt, but do you think the Freo are going to trot out their uh, 
pressure game plan that they implied back in uh, 2013 in the prelim against Sydney that will just come out and absolutely blitz them. And I think after the rest, the guys are going to have a lot of their tank and, you know, they've talked about that that blitz for, you know, 20 minutes or 15 minutes at a time where we're absolutely pressure and kill and hurt the guys with the um the footy that, you know, if the, the second they pick it up, you've got Ballantyne that's been training for weeks that's going to want to put pressure on. You've got DeBoer, you know, plump, playing a role that's you know, it's going to be looking to hold his spot on that side and guys like Subin that'll be going right out there. We've, um, we've got a lot of guys that are going to be hungry hunting for the ball. So I think if the, if the guys like Kennedy and, and Hanbury and Tom Mitchell or even guys like Jeddah or Cunningham on the outside are going to get a hold of the ball, they're going to be chased down pretty quick and we're going to be up in their faces. It'll be great to see how hard we come out early and and just you know put the physical pressure on and, and play play our game style of uh, pressure once again. Yeah, I mean, there's always, every time you watch Fox footy in a Sunday or particularly on a Sunday afternoon free o game, so they always talk about the free o starts and I can't remember these are the blitz or whatever they use it and uh, yep. coming out and you have to think well we've been waiting how many weeks Sepo? every week we sort of come on and say well this will be the week free o turn it on and yep. you know this will be the week that we'll start to see some of that form that we saw early in the year but. They do it for a quarter, but then they yeah. stop. <laughs> oh, it is, and it's interesting to see why that happens. Is it you know, we just seem to be showing. I don't know whether it's just like just to. It's like we can remember how to do it, and then we just sort of think, well, we'll just keep just doing enough. And it'll be interesting to see if they do run it for four quarters, or you know, whether they can sustain it for four quarters. And you know, I think to be perfectly honest, Seppo, I think this is probably as good a side. Maybe not everyone's at one hundred percent fitness, but this is as good a side as we can name on paper. I don't think there's anyone for me who's out of the side. You know, whether you could argue Clancy and DeBoer could be interchanged, but other than that, Sepp, I, I can't really see anyone else who could um, who I would take out of the side and put someone in. You know, I know there'll be some talk about maybe Taverner and Pierce, but I think Taverner has shown a little bit more as a key forward and has played finals, although he didn't let set the world on fire. He did. Even if you can just bring the ball to ground, he does give us a contest down there. But um, I think this is as strong as we can possibly get, Seppo. Oh, definitely. And I think not only is it strong, but we've got to rest into all those players. And obviously, Sydney haven't done what you know sides like North and what we haven't give the guys a good rest. And I know they can only play who's been in front of them, but they've probably had a, a soft probably last three or four games. So... Um, they probably haven't been tested too much, but you probably can say the same for the last guys getting that week off. But I think it's great for guys like Walters and Dawson and Fife and Ballantyne that we haven't sort of rushed them and given them every chance to have time off. But you think that extra little bit of rest and you know who cares if Fife didn't win the uh, AFL Coaches Association Award against Hatterbury, comes up against him and hopefully it means that he's going to uh, come out motivated. But you've got to watch that Five doesn't come out too motivated because he's still sitting on that uh, two fines for the year and you know, it doesn't mean anything for Brownlow now through final series, but um, <laughs> he's on a fine line and um, let's just hope that all our guys, because there's probably a couple of guys sitting on some, uh, I don't know if they still have those uh, carryover points and fines and whatever it means now, but it's going to be interesting how um, tough when they're going in, how, how easily they look at the um, decisions yeah, um, the carryover yeah. points I don't think carried over, but I think it will be exasperated if you do have a bad record, as we yeah. saw earlier in the year. But let's hope we don't even have to worry about any of that. And uh, and probably, uh, 
who do you think the matchups will be in the midfield? Do you think who do you think Kennedy? Do you think Kennedy and maybe Fife or Kennedy and Mundy will go head to head, or who do you think Hanbury will go to? I'd like to see Hanbury versus Fife, just to sort of battle it out for the true winner of the um, yeah, you know, oh, not retribution for that uh, coaches association war because we can clearly see if uh, games played that Fife was far superior, but. Um, obviously, the type of player that Hanbury is, I think Kennedy's more similar to Mundy, um, and they can probably you know just run around at the feet of the uh, two ruckmen, just accumulating. Um, I think more of an outside player, Hanbury would be a great matchup in Fife to run around him. Not sure Tom Mitchell's probably capable of going with Fife, but it would be interesting to see if they um, do try and put some other people on Fife. But you think Hanbury might be the most likely matchup. Yeah, do you reckon Mitchell and Neil might go head-to-head? They're both ball magnets. They both like chasing their own ball. Very similar types. Mm. Um, maybe they'll look at match-up. And then, then you've obviously got Mundy versus Kennedy, who are once again are both good accumulators, both hard at it. And, you know, Josh Kennedy in particular with a contested ball is a, is a bit of a beast in there. And if it is a wet game, uh, he's more than capable of getting racking up 20-plus contested possessions in there. So, as you said, I think it's those three in there, Sapo, that will be the key to any chance Sydney has. But when you start taking those guys out there or they've got to be rotated out out of the midfield, then you're looking at the likes of Jeddah, Cunningham, and then you've got the likes of Jake Lloyd, Brandon Jack. It just drops off quite a bit after that. And I, I'm just, you know, whether they use McVeigh in there a little bit more, but you just have to think when... And that free will be just that little bit deeper with the way they can rotate, particularly because the likes of Walters and that have played in there a little bit as well this year. Mm. I suppose it's nice to see that Fremantle have uh, dug out a, a bit of uh, stats on David Mundy to say that you know he's averaging you know 27 disposals this season and averages over the past four finals 27 disposals. So he's a big accumulator. You just have to look back to his uh, grand final performance, um, you know, from a couple of years ago for for what he can do in a game and and how he can turn it and how he's actually stepped up without Fife. So let's just say if uh, he's performing at that same level and you bring back Fife into it that. We'll have the uh, tools to deal with the um, Sydney midfield, and let's just hope that Sandy can get first use and get a couple of hitouts to advantage. Yeah, and do you think it's going to be a lock for the uh, subs vest this week, Seppo, with uh, the ball getting the getting the uh, bib or potentially? You just wonder if they uh, obviously <laughs> we always look at who's lamed last on the interchange, and they've got Ballantyne there, so you think. Maybe they want the sting taken out of the game because they know it's going to be a big one and, and let him loose to run out the game. Um, and, you know, bring on a, a small for a tall if Tavern is going to be out there and wet and they sub him out. So you never know. Um, I I'd suppose be, there's I'd a couple. Be, I'd be shocked, Zeppo. I think, I think Ballantyne is such a barometer. And I think he's probably a little bit like Farmer used to be for us in, in the ground. If, 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 if Ballantyne comes on early, gets a big tackle or kicks a goal early, he just excites the crowd. It, it, would just, it would just give a huge momentum boost. So I would be absolutely stunned if Valentine doesn't start. And mm. I think if, the, if, the, if he does run out of puff, because obviously he hasn't got the match fitness in terms of playing games, you can maybe bring DeBoer in that way, which would probably suit DeBoer maybe a little bit more, because he can then come in and sort of crash into the middle a little bit. I mean, he's not a great, he's not an ideal sub, but um, in that regard, he's not going to come on and give you that bit of burst of speed or anything like that, but he will certainly give you grunt in the contest. And probably for him, he ends up coming a little bit too strong in the contest and gives away some needless high tackles and things like that. But I'd be absolutely shocked if Valentine didn't start. 
it's one thing we've probably seen from De Boer, and it's different news for the sub because you know, traditionally you see a lot of clubs use the sub as an impact player that comes on and is quick off the mark and whatnot, have really good endurance and sort of can run a bit once the game starts to open up. But you look at the stats when someone like De Boer or you know, Duffield or Subin's actually come on, and it's just been tackling manic pressure. So it's obviously once the bodies are sore from everyone out there, you throw someone like De Boer in, you give him a job to go hunt the ball and not necessarily run on the outside of the packs because you know De Boer can run all day and he's a good run. He's not quick, but he's um, more of a runner as the game goes out. Um, I think they're probably using him to say, all right, as the bodies get tired and you know, we're talking about limiting interchanges next year, what someone like that might do. So it's probably um, a different type of a, a use of the sub, but it might seem to work because I think the last few times that De Boer has been the sub, he's actually not shown in possessions, but certainly tackles in the 1% is what he does when he does come on, if it's just for a quarter. Yeah, what do you think will happen if, and I know you've touched on it briefly earlier, Seppo, when we talked about the rain and the fact that Tab, Tabs will probably be the one that misses out. What what way do you think? Do you think that Fremantle will drop Tabs if it rains, or do you think they may drop Clark and then use Tabs in a pitching rock in the raw, or like pitching roll in the ruck, or... Uh, and who do you think will be the inclusion if that does happen? Uh, you couldn't imagine Pierce will come in if if it's raining, so it yeah. has to come down to the Pierce or Mazungu. Um, what way do you reckon they'll lean? If, the, if oh, it probably happen? if it's someone like Clark or Tabner coming out, obviously interchangeable. If you're saying that you know we're going to give uh, Sandlands a chop out with Tabner helping out, and I haven't seen him in there too much um, taking a, a ruck ruck battle, but. If Clark does come out, and you could say on form last week, we'd um, you could probably warrant it. But if it is one of those two, you'd think someone like Mzungu that's capable of going forward because you think with having Spur, McFarlane, Dawson, Johnson, Sutcliffe, Edison, you probably don't need to throw someone like Clancy Pierce behind the ball when you've also got someone like Tommy Sheridan and Stephen Hill that's playing a bit behind the ball as well. So Mzungu probably would be nice. Um, but obviously it probably requires a bit more of a structure change to get someone like Clancy in there. Yeah, and let's just hope the rain does stay away. I, I, I mean, we've play, played plenty of wet weather footy this year, Seppo, and although uh, we, we certainly haven't turned it on in the rain, we've only really lost the one game, and that was against Richmond, and even in that game we sort of just fell, you know, fell asleep in the first quarter and then sort of came back into it. So it's not like the wet weather is going to sort of hamper us that much, and I don't think Sydney have been that great in the wet this year either. Uh, by all accounts, so mm. it'll certainly be interesting to see that one. Any other sort of matchups stand out for you in this one? Uh, not really. It's um, all pretty covered. I think the usual Pav and, and Main will have to uh, stretch out Grundy and Richards, Key Backman, and I think Walters and, and Ballers can obviously cause a bit of, uh, you touched on it before, without Smith out there, he's probably a really good defender, and I know Sydney probably uh, are missing someone like Alex Johnson that's been out for a couple of years now, but um, certainly we can expose their defenders because um, the other guys aren't as um, good without those those guys there. So hopefully Walters can continue his great run of form before he had that little rest. So um, bagging goals of the year, and it's great to see that little uh, piece that Ross Lyon did on Michael Walters and you know his little story of where he is right now. And it's great to hear you could say he could probably captain the club one day. It shows how highly rated he is internally. So hopefully he can bring that to the game and, and bag a couple because we are looking for that two goals a game extra. And if it's 
not come from someone like Tabner or Clark. It's you know, guys like Walters and Ballers together with Pat and Main that can all get to our uh, what, magical 12 goals, 13 goals, whatever would be nice. Yeah, it always seems interesting, Seppo, that every time we've talked about or you hear in the media about that extra magical two goals, that there's nothing sure that it's going to rain in the game on the weekend. <laughs> it's just like just about a guaranteed rain cry. So any uh, farmers out there who are looking to uh, get some rain on their paddocks and just talk about the uh, getting to the magical 15 goals and then all of a sudden it'll start raining and uh, hopefully uh, we'll see what happens in that regard. The other, do you think Laidler will get the job on Maine? He would seem a more logical matchup, than, and then maybe Richards would take the resting ruck down there. Would that be uh, Sandy or Clark? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's probably enough of Laidler is a, even though he isn't really tall, he seems to have tall jobs, so kind of like our Rivardson. So um, it's probably a good job for him, but um, yeah, you think um, Pavlich usually gets double teamed by someone, so let's hopefully, um, if there's Clark or Tabner there, that they can draw away one of those taller types away from Pav and let him get some space and kick a couple. Yeah. Uh, the other interesting one, Seppo, if you look at the Sydney uh, midfield there, they don't really have a natural matchup in terms of, they're quite a small midfield in terms of, they're very nuggety, but they're not a lot, there's not a lot of height there compared to our guys. It'll be interesting to see, particularly if, um, Lion decides to try and stretch some of those guys down back and like whether the likes of Fife will rotate through because even the likes of Hanabry, he's only, I think, just on, he's just below six foot. Um, so there's not a lot of them who are really massive players in there. And I think Josh, Josh Kennedy, Josh P. Kennedy is, I think he's 188, so he's probably the tallest, but he doesn't have in there have a massive leap like Fife does or anything like that. He's probably more that Monday type where he sort of, Mm. moves across the ground. So we're interesting to see how if how Fremantle try and exploit those sort of that height in the forward line as well if if, if they need to. Yeah, definitely. It's um one area and if obviously trying to play it to the ground when it's wet, there'll be guys like Jeddah and Cunningham trying to run around with probably Daniel Pierce and Sheridan on their heels. So it'll be a, a nice matchup on the outside if the ball does get out there as well. Yeah. All right, Seppo, I think any other points you want to bring up before we get to the all important tips for the game? No, I think it um, wraps it up, and it's just great to see all that uh, inclusions come back in and a nice strong side, and let's just hope that rest means they come out with a blitz and they're not asleep and, and still thinking it's a week off. So let's hope that all this planning and everything we've done, and like Ross says, this is the uh, the real season starts now. So let's just hope that after all this um, massive build-up of you know 23 weeks, they can put into place what we've um, done this year. Yeah, we've got a couple of guys going in under, I suppose, a small cloud, Seppo. I know, like, Ballantyne hasn't played an official game, and you've also got Sutcliffe, who did his shoulder in the last quarter against Melbourne, had the week off, and but all accounts has played all right. I don't think Luke trained much at all this week, so, um, and that might be just careful management for him. So, um, touch wood, there, there is no, you know, no issues in that sort of regard, but uh, it'll certainly be interesting to see. Who do you think will get the, uh, do you think, uh, They'll go with Johnson on goods, or who do you think will get goods down there for them? Oh, rotation of anyone. I think um, Ibbotson's probably even manned up on goods before in the past, so that, that is an option. So Yeah, and that, would seem, and that would seem a pretty logical uh, match-up. They both you know, play pretty well. And then maybe Johnson or goods, Johnson or Ibbotson, depending on who they want to have as that guy, that loose player cutting off the uh, leads inside. So, All right, Seppo, what's your tip for this week? Um, I'm going, I think, with the wet and the fact that for, if they do get out to a biggish lead, that they'll 
want to conserve energy, even if the, you know, it's a week off. But if we do the job, get it done, no risk policy, we'll get a – usually <laughs> it's over about five goals, 30, 35 points seems to be the margin that we um, park the bus or stop the blitz. So I'm going to uh, leave it at 36 points. Yeah, I don't think they will this week, Seppo. I think it's um, – I think for two reasons. One, that um, Sydney showed in the first – in that round four clash that if even – I think they were, were up eight or nine goals in that game and they got it back to three points. So – and the fact of the matter is that even if they do play really hard this week, they will get that week off. So I don't think they're going to sort of give any... If they do manage to get out to the sort of lead you're talking about, I don't think they're going to try and give any Sydney any chance of, uh, you know, getting back into the game at all. And Well, that's what we'd hope for anyway. So but I think I think Sydney uh, Fremantle will do the job this week and I think they'll get up by around that 27-point mark. Um, I think it'll sort of... Fremantle will get out to a pretty solid lead, and then I think there'll be a fair bit of back and forth between that. But I can't see either, you know, but it all depends on those weather conditions as well, Seppo. Do you think the dry or the wet suits us better? Um, at this stage, with the rest, I reckon the dry would have suited us, but I think the wet um, probably suits Sydney in terms of the matchup. So if we had that height advantage you're talking to midfield, I think that dry would have suited us to exploit more. Um, and obviously the rest as well probably would have over the course of the game a dry game might help. So, but oh, I suppose either you know we've had that experience in the wet this year. But um, either way, you'll probably probably see both over the the four quarters of the game. A bit of hail. It probably the wet may negate some of their leg speed though. Seppo, they are quite quick with the likes of Rowan, Lewis, Jeddah. Even McGlynn has a you know pretty good wheels when he wants to. So Mitchell, so it may may hurt them in that regard. But at the end of the day. You just want to get the win and then move on and hopefully uh, get the week off and then worry about the prelim after that. Yep. All right, any other points you want to bring up, Seppo, before we uh, finish up for this one? No, other than the fact that I uh, hope everyone over there enjoys it, um, has a good game, obviously has good good seats in the weather, no matter where you picked them. Did you get your usual seats insurance behind the bench? Uh, I'm just a little bit further around, so I'm in uh, 106 this week, but uh, I was pretty happy with that in the end. So if it's pouring down rain, it may not be terrific, but... Uh, yeah, I'm, after 20 years being in that same spot, it's uh, more comfortable sitting there than anywhere else. So, yeah, not too, I can't complain too much in the end. Yeah, I'll be uh, down at the Great Northern Pub watching a whole bunch of mates over here in Melbourne. So yeah. looking forward to it. Let's just hope we get that win and, and get the, the uh, coveted week off and watch the rest of the other teams beat up on each other. <laughs> well, that's exactly what you want to see, isn't it? And, uh, you know, hopefully no, you don't want to see any injuries, but you do want to see them belt the suitcases out of each other, particularly if you're playing in the week week after as well so but you know definitely some interesting games on this week all right thanks for joining us Seppo. before we go what are your tips for the rest for the other three games in the finals well i think hawks may just get over the west coast i know they're probably a couple of injuries of guys like on um, smith and the others and i think eagles probably haven't made a risk with uh, some people but um i think the hawks might just get up and i'd just love to see them i know it's going to push eagles on our side of the draw um, but I think Hawks can get up by a small margin. I think the um, Adelaide would probably be just a bit too good for the Bulldogs with a couple of changes they've had to make, and Adelaide are in a good stretch of form and probably have a more better midfield. And I think Richmond, even though I'd love to see them lose <laughs> third final in a row after uh, three attempts, I think Richmond will get over north. Yeah, it'll be... Yeah, that Richmond-North one's always a bit of a hard one to um, see, but you'd have to favour Richmond, you'd think. And uh, I think Richmond, whoever plays the week after Seppo, I think that Richmond would certainly give them a much better 
game than probably what North Melbourne will if, if they have to play a couple of weeks in a row. Because uh, we'll get the other, we, depending on how the side of the draw goes, we would have the Adelaide Western Bulldogs have come to our side of the draw. And if it was played at Etihad, I definitely would have picked the Bulldogs, but I'm not so confident with them at the G. So, as you said, I think it's probably, although they've had a bit of a fairy tale game, I think in the end, I think Adelaide might be a bit strong there at the MCG. Uh, although, you know, it'd be good to see the Western Bulldogs. I think it would, I think they'd be clear three or four goal winners if it was at Etihad, and they'd definitely be dirty that they're not having a home final there, that's for sure. Yeah. Especially when they played, uh, when they when they have uh, Geelong. And Freo played down at Skilled State or Simmons Stadium, which had an even smaller capacity. <laughs> so, uh, and that game on Friday night, it's a sort of a, it's a bit of a damned if you do, damned if you don't when you're looking at the draw, isn't it, Seppo? With the, uh, you don't really want the Hawks to have two games, and you know, but then you don't potentially play them, and then having a derby final could be, you know, having a derby prelim could just be a bit of a bloodbath. So, <laughs> may not necessarily be a great result for either side either in that regard. So, It'll certainly be a tough game for either of them, that's for sure, tomorrow. Mm. All right, thanks for joining us, Seppo, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, be able to just have the sort of review next week and don't have to worry about the preview for another week. Mm, that'll be fantastic, and uh, go Freo. Yep, thanks for joining us again this week, Seppo, and we'll catch you again next week. And to all the listeners, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you again next week. Go Freo, and if you're going to the game, hope you've got uh, your... Uh, Voice is nice and loud and the Freo chant rings true. So let's enjoy it and let's hopefully get the win. Bye for now.